Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 12. Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm chilling like a villain, man. Uh, it's been a long day, you know, working in the food industry, you know, Thanksgiving is a terrible time. There's nobody wants to cook, so they just go to the restaurant. I can tell you, okay. in the e-commerce world, it's pretty much the same. This week has been... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but hey, we got great movie news to talk about and a great discussion topic that I'm so hyped, and I think you're just a little bit excited for. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to take everything in me not to completely geek out, so, I mean, there's that. <laughs> All right, well, we'll try and power through these news topics really quick, starting us off with Aquaman. It feels like we talk about Aquaman a lot, just because it's the next DC movie that's coming out. However, the final trailer before the release of Aquaman hit, and I'll be perfectly honest right now, they saved the best trailer for last. This was oh, yeah. phenomenal. It's it's funny because they didn't really even need to release another trailer, like no. genuinely, because the last one was awesome. Honestly, all the trailers have been really, really good. Oh yeah, it's. <laughs> I I never thought the day would come where I would be super stoked for an Aquaman movie, of all things. Okay, was it just me, or was it in this final, most recent trailer, the final one, the music just amazing? I, dude, I just, everything so far has just hit every note. Uh, in the, the trailer before this, that long uh, rooftop shot, it, incredible. The costuming, incredible. The, how colorful everything is, ugh. I'm just, and then the the chemistry between um, Jason Momoa and it's not because it's not Aquaman, it's not Arthur Curry, it's Jason Momoa. It really is. Um, it really is. He plays the same character in everything he's in. I can't, but it's always a lot of fun. Um, the chemistry between him and and uh, Mira, yeah, Mira, is just fantastic. I, I'm I'm just so on board with this movie. It doesn't even. It just hurts. So you talked. You mentioned the costume design. The costume design that no one seems to be talking about, the one that gets me actually just as hyped as that classic Aquaman suit that we've seen in the trailer that makes me lose my mind every single time, is one that we actually get the best look at yet in this trailer, and that's um, Patrick Wilson as Orm slash Ocean Master. That is one that in the comics can have the potential to look pretty cheesy and ridiculous. He looks awesome in this. He's got the purple. He's got the silver. He looks so legit. It's, it's, I just, I, I, I am just continuously blown away that all of this is, looks awesome because it would, I, I think we've been saying it this whole time. It would be so easy for this movie to be stupid and cheesy looking and just not right, but it looks so good. It really does. It also looks really unique. Like, the visual style looks so yeah. fascinating, interesting, and a lot of fun. If the performances and the story can match the visuals that we're seeing on screen, the re- story of redemption for the DC Universe could be 
furthered. We had a, we started a little bit with Wonder Woman, took a little bit of a step back with Justice League, but I think, I think Aquaman. Oh man, I'm getting really excited for this. And piggybacking off that, I don't think I'm the only one because apparently Adam tickets put on presale tickets for Aquaman, and they actually have Aquaman has now set the Adam record for highest presale for like day one presale tickets, which is awesome. And right now, according to Fandango on their presale ticket pricing and pre-ticket uh, pre sales, it's actually outpacing Venom in pre-ticket sales. Well, okay. I mean, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but outpacing De- Venom, it, in my mind, wouldn't be that hard. Venom made over $80 million opening weekend. That's great. Good for it. <laughs> Say what you will about Venom, the quality of the movie, it's performing really well at the box office. Hey, maybe that means they'll continue it on and we'll get a Venom in a Spider-Man movie and maybe some carnage. I don't know. We'll see. I don't think we'll see Spider-Man in the Venom universe. I think the success of Venom to Sony will probably mean that they don't necessarily need Spider-Man. And so he can stay in the MCU and Venom can stay in his own little franchise, which I'm, I'm totally fine with, actually. I can dream, okay? <laughs> you can dream, Harold. But, um, I can dream, Harold! Oh, yeah, man. I think Aquaman's going to surprise some people, not just in quality, but in terms of how much it actually makes. That being said, it's still in that dreaded death slot of December 21st with a whole bunch of other movies, but we'll, we'll see. Um, another trailer came out. This one, I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's a movie that has already come out and they're just re-editing it, but we got a trailer for Once Upon a Deadpool. The limited release, it's going to be only available for 12 days because it's going to be 12 days of Deadpool. Really clever. It's going to be the PG-13 version of Deadpool. But if some of you are turned off by that, we have something to bring you back in. It's going to have Fred Savage from The Princess Bride. So he, Deadpool, is essentially taking the role of the grandfather of Princess Bride and is explaining either the plot of the first Deadpool or the first two Deadpools to Fred Savage. I had really low expectation for this. I was just like, this just seems like a cash grab. I'm not going to lie. I laughed pretty hard during this trailer. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. There's several really good lines. And re- there's some stuff in the trailer that's not in the movie. Which yeah. is, uh, again makes me question it, like you, like you have, like so. Is this like an, its own thing? Are you? I'm confused. Yeah, I'm like, if this these scenes are from Deadpool two, this is from Deadpool one. Is this like a combination of the two and be like, this is the Deadpool story, or what is it? That being said, I'm I'll probably go out and see this more just out of curiosity of what this is. Yeah. To tell you the truth. Though the part that had me dying the hardest was when Fred Savage came back to be an absolute savage on Deadpool. It was just like, we're Fox. No, you guys are 20th Century Fox Marvel. No, uh, we're Marvel. No, you're Fox Marvel. You're just an association with Marvel that's a cheap knockoff. I'm like, dang. I think one of my favorite ones was um, when he sits, he's sitting on the bench with the old couple. And he's like, oh, hey, I love y'all and up. What? Don't get too attached. And, like, walks away. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> these are new these are new jokes. And 
I don't I, again, I don't know what they're doing with this as are they retelling the first Deadpool, the second one, like a combination of the two, or knowing how Deadpool rolls, it'll be something completely different. Either way, it has my curiosity enough that I'll I'll check it out in the twelve day window, which is just another really clever thing, I think. Yeah. I think the funniest thing for me that if this happens is that they filmed this alongside Deadpool two and just kept all the stuff and kept it under wraps for this, you know, Christmas movie, because why? Well, he wants to do a Christmas movie. Oh, okay, cool. Whatever. (laughs) Next up next year is the Deadpool Christmas album, stuff like that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why not? Really at this point, like why not? Yeah. Like, Deadpool's one of those things you can just do endless cash grabs with, and everyone's going to be like, well, yeah, no, because it's Deadpool. Yeah, sure, I'm done. Yeah. Um, it's just been a week for trailers, as we also now have another trailer for the Lego Movie 2. Um, I did like this trailer a lot more than the first one. I was kind of underwhelmed by the first one. That being said, something about this one isn't grabbing me yet, and I don't know what it is. Josh, what do you think? I, I'm a, I'm with you on that, and I think it's part of that's because, like, okay, the, the first Lego movie it grabbed you because the animation looked amazing, and it was this like happy preppy world, and like okay, like yeah, like this is exactly what I would think this world would look like and act and feel like, um, and like the the over the top plot made sense that it was in. Now this feels like. Lego was like, hey, we uh, we really like Mad Max, so let's uh, let's figure out a way to do this. And somebody in the back of the room was like, well, I really like Wally. Can we do something with Wally? Well, we'll just combine the ideas and we'll figure it out. Well, Mad Max. I don't know. I'm I'm not Mad Max. I'm not too like. Yeah, it's it. it's fine. Mad Max did come out in 2015, whereas the original Lego movie was 2014, so I would not be surprised if they're like, ooh, let's do that. But since it took so long for them to get Lego Movie 2, it didn't necessarily age well. Like, Mad Max is not dated by any stretch, but the, like, post-apocalyptic Mad Max style, you don't really see as much as it was when Mad Max first came out. Um, To be fair, though, to this... Um, sequel, were you won over with the Lego movie by the original Lego movie by the trailers? Because for me personally, I didn't want to see the Lego movie because the trailers didn't win me over for that either. But then I have an attachment to the Lego movie because it was the first movie um, Heather, my wife, took me to. She's like, I called dibs on taking you to see Lego movie. And I'm thinking at the time, I'm just like, this movie's going to be weird. It's going to be dumb. It's going to be a cash grab. She went on a date with my inner nine-year-old that night because I was so giddy. Like, we were surrounded by children, essentially. We were, the, like, the only non-parents there, and nobody had more fun than we did. That movie was amazing, but it was not due to the trailers. I thought the trailers for the original Lego movie were pretty poor, so that's why I'm kind of giving a pass to these trailers. Um, I remember coming back to the dorm after the first Lego movie and telling anybody that I could, Lego movie's actually really good. It's really good. It's really good. And we saw, like four times in the theaters because 
everyone's just like, no, it's, it's not good. Just trust us. I think at one point we're like, okay, if it's not good, we'll give you your money back. And then everyone's just like, okay, let's see this. And then we saw it like for the next three weekends. But yeah, it yeah. wasn't due to the trailer. It was genuinely good writing. So I'll give a pass yeah. to this trailer for the time being. That being said, I am still hesitant for this movie. Yeah. And to be fair, most of the Lego movies are like that. And even the Batman Lego movie, the trailers didn't quite grab me, but I was like, well, it looks like it could be funny. And it was great. Oh, it was fantastic. And that that whole um your experience with the Lego movie was literally me and my and my uh, she who will not be named. Um Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, um but she took me to that, and I had a fantastic time. She hated it, but I had a fantastic <gasps> time. Yeah. Hey, I should have seen the red flags early, okay? Leave me alone. <laughs> to be fair, I think Heather realized what she was getting into when in the Lego movie, they're like, we need a hyperdrive, and all of a sudden the Millennium Falcon comes in, and no one in that theater cheered as loud as I did. Fair. Like, oh my gosh, I was on Cloud 9 during that scene. Um... I will say, though, that the main reason I'm slightly worried about it this time around is Phil Lord and Chris Miller aren't directing this movie. Yeah. So maybe that's just because they decided to go a different direction. I mean, the humor seems to be there and everything else seems to be there, but I don't know. Well, they Phil Lord and Chris Miller have kind of cooled off. So... They didn't return for Lego Movie 2 because they were supposedly going to be attached to two separate big-name projects. They were originally attached to the Flash movie, which has been since rebranded with a new director like two or three more times. Um, But they were also attached to Solo, and we know how that turned out. So I think, yeah, they were originally going to come back for Lego Movie 2, and they may have have some involvement with the overall story, but they're not back to direct. So I... I don't know what kind of carryover that'll have for a sequel. That being said, I'll probably still check it out. It could be like the Kung Fu Panda movies where all the uh, trailers are trash, but the movies themselves are phenomenal. Yes, they are. Oh. But yeah, Kung Fu Panda had all, all three of them had bad trailers. So I was like, man, this trailer's terrible. And then they come out and they were all fantastic movies. Yeah, I, yeah. Huh. It, it and but then you go to the polar opposite of that almost and like the I'm trying to think if there's an animated movie um, that had great trailers but was terrible uh, because I I was gonna try to say that the polar opposite of that was uh, How to Train Your Dragon because those trailers are fantastic but the movies are incredible too so yeah I was gonna say that's that good trailer play. and good movies yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure we'll think of it and have some probably some trailer related discussion at some point in a later date. There's a movie coming out though that or has just come out that had terrible trailers leading up to it, and I, we saw it coming a mile away that it was going to be bad. But um, Robin Hood, starring Exit from Kingsman, has come out and it's expected to take a bath at the box office and flop hard. I think right now it's sitting at 10 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So, while this may not be a, like, breaking news story of, holy crap, a Robin Hood movie bombed, shocker, um, 
I, I kind of wrote it down in the notes, mini literary rant, because I actually have a lot of thoughts on Robin Hood, but Josh, are you at all surprised about this? Um, part of me is not. Um, it, I got a Hercules vibe, a Legend of Hercules vibe. You know what I mean? When this movie was kind of starting Wait, to make it. Which Hercules? The, the that's Rock what, no, no, one or the Kellen Lutz no, one? That's why I said Legend of Hercules, because Hercules is the Rock one. And then oh, Legend, Legend of Hercules, of Hercules is Kellen Lutz. Trash movie with actually one of my favorite actors that we'll talk about later, um, Scott Atkins as the king. Anyway, um, but it, I got that kind of vibe of it, of like, hey, let's do this old literary tale and kind of update it. And the only things I felt like it had, it had going for it was Terrence and Jamie. As their leads, who both uh, I, reportedly are entirely miscast in the role, which I would not be surprised by that. But they, to me, were the only reasons I, I was going to go see that movie because I enjoy both of them. Oh no, I personally was fooled before with King Arthur by Guy Ritchie, and I hated that movie. Dis. It. I have such strong feelings in that movie. And here's why I have strong feelings on that one. And I have strong feelings about Robin Hood and why I included this in this, in this episode. Even though it may not be a huge news story, I feel like there's a rant that I need to get out of my system. That, okay. um, So I saw a great YouTube video a couple weeks ago about a topic that always was close to my heart personally, but I didn't think anybody else felt that way. But um, it's by this guy I watched on YouTube called Patrick H. Willems. And he explained the problem of public domain literary characters. And I completely agree. And we're seeing it again here. He basically made the case that the reason why so many of these like Robin Hood, King Arthur, um, these public domain characters, their movies are terrible, is because they don't actually follow what made the book special. The last yes. Robin Hood movie that was financially successful was the Kevin Costner one from the early 90s. Yes, Men in Tights has a cult following now, but that flopped in theaters. What is special about Robin Hood? Robin Hood, to me, was one of my favorite books as a kid. I had those great illustrated classics where, like, every other page is, like, an illustration, but it's essentially the story of the original, like, literary works. So I read... Robin Hood to death, King Arthur to death, Sherlock Holmes, 20,000 Leagues in the Sea, Treasure Island. All those I have such strong memories for. So that's why I was fooled into seeing King Arthur. I was like, I love King Arthur. I love Sherlock Holmes by Guy Ritchie with Robert Downey Jr. And he did that. I thought it would be a great fit. It was not. It was a train wreck in every sense of the word. So I didn't get my hopes up for Robin Hood, who I have even more of an attachment than King Arthur because I read Robin Hood to death. Because I love yeah. the characters. I love the story. Even from the first trailer, I could tell this is not it. Because I yeah. still to this day can tell you the exact shade of green that Robin Hood wears in the story. He wears Lincoln green. They go out of their way to make sure you know it's Lincoln green. And when I saw the first pictures of this and he's wearing like jet black and a black coat, I'm like, nope, I'm out. Because you're missing the yeah. point. And that's the problem with all these public domain characters like... Um, certain Sherlock Holmes iterations, 
King Arthur, as we saw last year, or Robin Hood this year. They try and do the Batman Begins approach, which works in some aspects, but not a lot. Didn't work for Man of Steel as much as I love Man of Steel. Doesn't work for Robin Hood. Doesn't work for King Arthur. What works with these characters is when you follow what worked before or you do something new and fresh with it, not something that someone else has done with it. Robin Hood could work when you do... doesn't necessarily have to be exactly like the original, but you have to have the elements that make it work. Have Robin be fun. Have his group of men. And supposedly this Robin Hood movie that's come out has, like clearly setting up for sequels that will never happen just like King Arthur did. It's like, no, why don't you just start where it needs to? We don't have to do the Batman Begins approach for things. And it's just frustrating of like, you have these great characters that have lasted for hundreds of years. Just follow that method. You don't, it's weird to me that Carrie Elwes, Robin Hood Tights is a better Robin Hood than we've gotten in the past 20 years. Yeah. I agree. And I mean, it really has been done to death is the thing about Robin Hood is to like, you don't even Mm -hmm. Robin Hood's been done to death, man. Like let it, when was the last time he was done? Like actual Robin Hood is the problem. I mean, yeah. I mean, even you could even say that the animated one is maybe closer to the story than absolutely and which is not okay i mean even what was russell crowe's um robin hood that came out with several years ago is absolute trash because it's so boring and it's so far off the source material exactly so it's it's one of those things it's because that was the other thing about like a hard doing a hercules movie it's like oh okay We'll do another one of these, I guess. It's, uh, I don't know. There's only so many ways you can do the story. Yeah, and it's, again, the last time we had a good Robin Hood movie, to me, was Men in Tights. Yes. Which And that has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> but they got, they understood what makes the narrative and the characters of Robin Hood work and that's, it's weird to me that it's parodying both Errol Flynn's Robin Hood, which is like the be-all, end-all, the standard bearer when it comes to Robin Hood, which actually for a movie as old as it is, the original Robin Hood holds up amazingly well. I love that movie. Um, but as a parody of both Errol Flynn's Robin Hood and the Kevin Costner Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, Carrie Ellis is actually a better Robin Hood than Kevin Costner, at least in my opinion. I thought Kevin Costner is... Kevin Costner. <laughs> but it, we have the same problem with King Arthur, too, but I won't go into as much of a rant on that, but it's just like, you have these great literary characters, and be, the reason they keep showing up in movies is they're cheap. There's a reason why you see all these like great illustrated classics or 99-cent audiobook versions of all these stories because they're so public domain that anyone can get their hands on and do stuff with just because something comes cheap doesn't mean you have to make it as cheaply and as frequently as you do yeah well yeah i agree i'm gonna i'm gonna take a breath get off my soapbox for a little bit 
Yep. Take another <laughs> breath. Get right back on my soapbox and whine and complain about crimes of Grindelwald. <laughs> now, you've seen it and I have not. So, yes, I will not be dipping into spoilers here, but Crimes of Grindelwald, the latest Wizarding World flick, just opened in theaters recently. And this should come as a shock to no one, but it came in with the lowest opening weekend for any Harry Potter film to date with $62 million. Having seen the movie, that was generous. Yeah, I see. I haven't. And for some reason, this one, I'm nowhere near as excited as the first one. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I was not excited for the first Fantastic Beast, and still to this day, I think it's just fine. But boy, did I miss the first one after this one. They undo a lot of stuff. Um, do you think, getting more back to a discussion than an actual review, getting, um, do you think this will cause Warner Brothers or the the filmmakers for Wizarding World to reevaluate anything? Um, I don't think so. Because even if this series, I mean, they got one more movie to do. So no, whatever. They're doing five They're of doing these. Four? Oh my goodness! That no, that's stop. why I think they will reconsider some things. Yeah. No. Yeah. I thought we were doing a, a third one, and no, just there's five there. Oh my goodness! Um, the the savior, I think, is going to be. Um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, I believe is what it's called. That they're, It's the book that J.K. Rowling wrote that is going to be getting a movie a movie now. It's not going to so be least, this timeline, dude. I know. I'm just hoping and dreaming, man, because I don't The thing about the original Harry Potter series, in my opinion, as someone who did not watch them, um, what's the second one? The second one is the Chamber of Secrets. The, yeah, is Chamber of Secrets. To me, that's one of the weakest ones. Actually, you're not alone. I think that's the, like the general consensus that that's the weakest yeah. one, which even then, yeah. if that's your weakest film, your franchise is doing okay. Yeah, yeah I agree. So, follow me here. <laughs> um, I think that's the pattern that they're going to follow. Is your second one is your weakest one, and they now that they've set some more, like... The groundwork, from what I hear, I understand they retconned some stuff. From what I hear, again, from what I've heard, um, but I think they can only go up from here. I would hope so, anyway. I think it'll be interesting to see in the coming weeks what the financial aspect will be because Fantastic Beasts, the first one, I think made like seventy-five million opening weekend, which was definitely a step down from most of the Harry Potter ones, but it went on to make like $800 million worldwide. So it'd be okay. curious. I'll be curious to see like, but the first fantastic beast, um, uh, got some positive buzz to it. Like critics and audiences seem to enjoy it. This one is not getting the same reaction. It is not faring too well with critics and slightly better with audiences. Audiences are very divided on this movie, so it's not getting the same critical reception. So I'll be curious in the coming weeks, how it affects the box office and if the, like, not necessarily reevaluate the story, because I'm sure they'll still finish out with the five, 
whether they kind of reconsider some things, retool some stuff to, I don't know, I don't want to say course correct, but just kind of get back to the magic, essentially. Yeah. Well, and see, I think that was what made the first one special. I mean, it, regardless of how good or not the movie was, I loved seeing all these creatures. It ex- made the world bigger of the, than just Harry Potter and his magical friends. Like, you know what I mean? It, it was cool to see all these different creatures that then see how everything just... I don't know where I'm going with that. I think I Oh no, I get it. It expands the lore. Yeah. And I think that's what the first one did really well is it made you think, Oh, there's a, you know, there's a a magical school in America. I didn't even consider that. I just thought Americans went to Hogwarts. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. That's why I think, I think the first one is the standard bearer right now, which to be fair, when you have two movies, is is not hard to have a standard bear. Yeah. Well, we'll see in the coming weeks how this movie fares financially at the box office, and if there is any course correction or kind of attempts to try and get back our charm. Well, before we get into our main yeah. topic of discussion, Josh, do you have a sponsor for us this week? I do. I certainly do. Today's sponsor of today's episode is Naked Juice. You drink us so you can be healthy and look better naked. Wow. That was well done. You're welcome. We're getting way too good at this sponsor thing. Somebody should yeah, actually sponsor yeah. us. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> I'm tired of just having fun with this. I want to make money. <laughs> Isn't that the point of podcasts? Yes, exactly. Make all the money you can. Diversify your assets. All righty. Speaking of diversify your asset, whatever. It was going to be a bad segue anyway, but let's just do an awkward barrel roll right into fighting. Yay! Do a barrel roll. Oh, man. I Okay, so for those who don't know me, <laughs> martial arts movies are my thing. Yes. Like, Oh, I literally, because you, you, you pulled a fast one on me and narrowed it down to only combat sports movies. Yes, because I know you'll ramble all day. <laughs> I know. Well, who was, because in college, I think it was, I think it was Neslo who was like, I tried to tell him, I was like, dude, you could easily watch one martial arts movie a day for three months and not have any repeats. And they oh, all be complete, complete bangers. And he was like, no way. So that's what, what uh, that's that he's, that's like 90 movies, right? Give or take for three that's months. That's like saying on the you month. could watch a slash. You couldn't watch a slasher movie for three months every day. Well, you know, anyway, I think it was Nes. I feel like that's wrong that, that that was him, but I can't think. I can't remember who else would would say that to me because I took it as a challenge and literally went uh, to my room for for five minutes and didn't come up with ninety. I came up with one hundred absolute bangers of of martial arts movies. That's rest been my assured, listeners at home, we will not be today. No, 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 we will not. 
because and I could just oh man, There's that's why we're so sticking to things. combat sports. So like mixed martial yeah. arts, like UFC movies, fighting movies, wrestling movies. Even though that some of you may say it's not combat sport and it's male theater, there's still some good combat wrestling movies out there. There's one before I forget. If there's fighting, hmm? yeah. No, finish your thought because I'm going to sound crazy when I say this. Go for it. There's I one that I crazy. completely missed on my notes that I kind of actually wanted to go out of my way to say I actually think that this movie's kind of underrated and because it knows what it is but it doesn't try too much that I dismissed it for a long time and I finally saw it. And it stars Kevin James of all people. Are you talking about Here Comes the Boom? I am talking about Here Comes the Boom. Here Comes the Boom is so good. Oh, it's not even fair. And everyone that's listening at home just turned us off because they're going, oh, God, they're talking about a Kevin James movie as a good fight movie. Okay. Yeah. So it's not – it is a Kevin James movie at its core. But like surprisingly good. Yeah, because the whole point of a combat movie, right, is your main character has to go through some stuff. And then the fights are not, it's like like we always say about Rocky, the fights are not the important thing. It's just just a way to move the story and show the the emotional development in your character. And that's exactly what happens in this. And by the it, end of it, you, know, you, have, you actually buy Kevin James as a fighter. Yeah, like, I mean... He's he's nowhere near going to be like the best fighter in the world. He probably will never hold a title, but no. Like, but you can see him as like a backyard guy. contender. Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey man, I'll I'll bet twenty bucks on that guy. But yeah, he, like you power bomb just, somebody, you totally buy it. Oh yeah, and oh man, it's and just there's so much just like, about the movie. Really fantastic, Kevin no, James. But yeah, we'll. I mean, we, I just want to make get sure. Because no one really talks about Here Comes the Boom. And I thought it was vastly <laughs> underappreciated. And I was like, let's throw some love to Kevin James, oh, yeah. the dude that we often make fun of. It has one of my favorite P.O.D. songs in it, so which is also <laughs> called Boom. Which so. I'm, I'm almost <laughs> entirely sure that that's why the movie's called Here Comes the Boom, just so they can have that song. <laughs> oh, totally. Because why not, right? Because literally it's never mentioned in the movie at all. <laughs> nope. And oh. also, just... Fun side note, because of that P.O.D. song, that was the name of my dodgeball team in senior high. Oh, yes. That, the, the P.O.D. is a great, great band. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, um, let's right. start talking about some more credible fight movies. I must start us off with the one that makes grown men weep man tears, and it's one of my top five favorite films of all time. Josh knows where I'm going. Yep. What is it? You're like, you're like, Hitting a home run right off the bat, huh? Yep. <laughs> Warrior is one of the best movies ever made, easily. And, and it just happens to be about fighting. And it's one of the most supremely, supremely underrated. Oh, dude. Everyone sees it and goes, oh, it's just a martial arts movie. Like, never back down. No, you can shut up and uh, sit down and watch this Although movie. Although we will talk about never back amazing. down in a little bit here. Obviously, because that that has its place in history. Um, but Warrior is fantastic. It to me, it is the modern equivalent of a Rocky movie, except with more folks on the dramatic tension. 
The thing with Warrior is it's like a two and a half hour, two hour, 20 minute movie. There's not a single scene that I would cut out of the movie. Like every time I watch yeah. it, I'm just like, all right, I'll, I'll just fast forward over this. Look, like, every scene I'm invested in, I'm glued in. I'm, I'm locked in the whole time. It flies by. And I don't care about the fight. I care about everything else going on. So essentially, Warrior is this dude played by one of my favorite actors, Joel Edgerton, criminally underrated guy. He's Owen Lars in the Star Wars prequels. Um, he is this teacher with um, two daughters, wonderful wife. They're about to lose their home. And so he begins fighting on the side to kind of raise some funds. And he discovers this big tournament's coming up. But what he doesn't realize is that his estranged and um, borderline alcoholic brother has also entered the tournament, who he has not talked to for a long time. And his brother's being trained by his father, who he has definitely also not interacted with in many, many years, who is a product of divorce. And it's intense family drama mixed with even more intense fighting. Like, I think Warrior has some of the best fights I've seen in a combat movie. Easy. And it's it's MMA fights. Because there's, as, <clears throat> as a uh, martial arts connoisseur, um, <laughs> like, it's easy to do, go into a movie about MMA and just kind of like, all right, we're going to go from hold to hold, do this, blah, blah, blah. Because at the end of the day, you want the fights to be exciting. And some of the movies that we'll talk about, like they can be over the top, but like even, and I'm, we're going to keep talking about it, but even in never back down, the, the stuff is all pretty like over the top stage. This, yeah, it feels staged. Whereas this, there's, there's some legitimate moments where I think people are actually like trying to kill each other. Yeah. Like there's a couple of moments that are genuinely hard to watch. Cause it's just like people getting brutally beat up. But I think uh, some of the best fights, I think, are the one-hitters. Like when Tom Hardy's character gets super pissed and literally punches a guy out in one punch and just storms out of the ring. Because in some fights, all it takes is one. Yes, it does. Uh, and the, uh, yeah, it's, 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 That's my other thing about this movie. Is you have two parallel stories happening with Tommy and um, Joel, Joel's character whose name escapes my mind for, for some reason. Brendan. Um, Brendan, yes, 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 yes. So Brendan and Tommy have these parallel stories going on, and all leads up to the um, tournament, right? But they make an a- absolute effort to show us the difference in style. Which, where, you know, Tommy is a, is a big old brawler and, you know, a bruiser, which to beat the crap out of you kind of guy. Whereas Brendan is very much more calm, collected, I'm going to tap you out rather than take a punch. <laughs> which, because I'm such a diehard for this film and I know, like, all the behind-the-scenes stories and whatnot, this was done for two reasons. One, because it fits the narrative because one of them is smaller than the other, one of them is built like a yes. hoss. The other reason was Joel Edgerton actually had mixed martial arts experience, so that's why they felt comfortable with him having these lengthy fights because he already knew the technique and how to carry himself in the ring, whereas Tom Hardy knew nothing about fighting, so they kept his fight short. Goldberg in WWE style, who couldn't do long yeah. matches but they could cover up by making him an absolute monster. So, fun fact with that. Um, But then, it all builds up to this final fight, which 
makes grown men cry. I cannot make it through Warrior without tearing up because the final fight, it's not mm-hmm. a fight. It's an emotional journey. Like, the bell rings for the final round, and one character is beaten up to the point of you can't even recognize them. Like, their arm is out of socket. It is disgusting. And just, uh, without spoiling it, the music is phenomenal. I still have it on my phone because the music is so good. The audio as a whole, like, the sound mixing is excellent. And just the final sequence and the... I love you at the end is oh, it's such a powerful yeah. film that goes beyond fighting and it's so wonderfully done. Oh, completely. So let's go ahead and move on before we, um, you know, Break completely just talk about, yeah, talk about warrior for two hours. Cause we yeah. will. So um. <laughs> yeah, we could have a whole discussion just on warrior. Um, we talked about it enough. Let's do never back down complete opposite. I yeah. think, Never Back Down is essentially the 2000s version of The Karate Kid. Yeah, completely. So, uh, interesting question for you. Do you have a preference between one one One. or two? Really? I hate two. Really? Okay. Primarily because two, two is the one that has like four main characters and one of them randomly turns heel with 15 minutes left, right? Kind of, basically. No, 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 not really. I mean, it's like 30 minutes left in the movie, yeah, but, but still. it's it's subtly built through, throughout the movie. Yeah, I but think it's more it's or less they had a villain, they dump that one and replace it with this other main character, so you're just like, well, why did you become a bad guy? And they focus on four people instead of one. I didn't think it flowed nearly as well. You like the second one more because it's Digimon Hansu as the trainer. No, Michael John uh, White is the trainer. Yes, yes. Uh, I, Digimon Hansu was the first again, one. Yeah, I'm such a nerd, it's not even... like I will... Michael J. White is a fantastic actor, and he's a fantastic martial artist, and literally, I think, uh, on the notes, I think two or three of them, of the movies that I want to talk about, have him in it. So, yes, that's... He's the main reason I prefer the, the second one, but I think... I, I, I see what you're saying, but the heel turn happens to that character as a result of Michael J. White's training in a, like as him going like almost Anakin, like think Anakin and the Jedi, like, no, like I'm going to do my own thing. Not what this guy's been, been training me my whole life anyway. But yeah. Yeah. My only issue with the first one, and I've, I've said this to you several times is so essentially the bully from in Never Back Down One, because you have to have a bully, because it, it, like I said, it's Karate Kid for the modern century, yeah. uh, which we'll talk about Karate Kid here in a second. Um, the, after the bully loses in the final fight, all of a sudden everything's better. Like the bully sees the kid and just kind of gives him the half nod, and it's like, what? You get knocked out once and everything is fine. I mean, t- to the movie's credit, that totally happens. That's like, why I know. That's can... what I'm saying. It's it's kind of BS that it's just like, oh yeah, you, you knocked me out. Good work, fellow. Yeah, I get. I mean, I I get. I get that. I get that. I. Yeah, I yeah. guess Karate Kid had the same thing of once Daniel won, um, 
he gave him the trophy and he was like, you've earned it, LaRusso, or whatever else. So I, I guess it's yep. the, you had the same thing in Karate Kid, which... Yeah. Uh, if we talk Karate Kid, that that's a very up-and-down franchise. Currently, though, at an all-time high. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think you and I agree, at least, that the most recent one was, was actually pretty good. I think the remake's better than the original. Oh, I agree. Um, mainly because in the original, Danny is actually, Daniel is the bad guy. Which is more or less the basis for the YouTube series Cobra Kai, which is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Exactly. But it's totally, like, the the main character in the original, I've always had a hard time getting behind him because he is kind of a prick. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, like, you know, but the remake, I agree, is is way, oh. Like, because, I mean, the actor I like more in the original because I don't like Jaden <laughs> Smith, but Jaden Smith's character makes more sense. To me, the biggest yes. difference and it's going to sound hypocritical, but the overall story arc is better for Mr. Han than it is for Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi yeah. is iconic, but tell me it's not hard to get through that scene with his car. Yes. No, and, and that that was always, all that has always been my point when we're talking about the most, most recent Karate Kid is because the, the, the backstories for all of this bring a more a more of an emotional depth. I mean, it doesn't hurt that it's Jackie Chan, but I mean, the emotional depth I think in the remake is it far exceeds the original. And I think it was um, Nostalgia Critic in his Old versus New that brought up a really good point of in the original Daniel Russo moves from Jersey to California. It's kind of an adjustment because it's a different lifestyle. In the remake, the kid's moving from Detroit to China. That's a huge difference. So he's already an outsider and has this massive uphill to climb, making his victory that much greater. Oh, yeah, completely. Because most of the kids that he's fighting have been training since they were born. Also, the kid in the remake straight-up evil. Oh, yeah, completely. Like... There's no redeemable qualities about him at all. Oh, no. Well, I've done like three in a row now here with Warrior, Never Back Down, Karate Kid. Josh, what are you going to bring to the table? What are some that you really want to talk about? So, (coughs) excuse me. Don't die. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'll hit two that I don't think that you know about. Maybe without me telling you about them. Um. I've, I've said before in this podcast of uh, how much I love Scott Atkins. Um, and he is the main character in the Undisputed series. Uh, if is you that haven't the one heard that about has Batista team, in it? Who? Is that the one that has Batista in it? No, that is Kickboxer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so Undisputed is about, I mean, it's about a lot of things. But it's about basically prison fights, <laughs> and you know the winner gets to you know have their sentence expunged, and they get to go for for uh, go free. Um, and of course, you know it's like death race in that way of like, ha, yeah, here's your prize, J.K. Everybody. Um, but the my favorite of this series, and I think that a movie that everyone should see, besides the most recent one, 
is Undisputed 3. Because there's 1, 2, 3, and Boyka. 3 and Boyka are absolute masterpieces when it comes to martial arts movies. There's no wire work. There is no no campiness. All of the fights look like they're trying to kill each other. Legitimately, like there is stuff in these movies that I have actually started to try to figure out how they would work for me to do in a, in a like a professional wrestling ring because they look beautiful but devastating. It and the following the character Boyka through his journey because in the for beginning of the first one he is in he's like severely injured he like had his knee crushed in the movie before um by michael j white (laughs) Mm. (laughs) so it's just it's it's one of those things series that if you watch a lot of martial arts movies you kind of go oh hey i remember him from this movie oh hey like literally in almost every scene so it's great Hmm. yeah it's a it's a a lot of fun um, Scott Atkins is uh, a British actor. He's done a lot of like, honestly, if you see him and then start to look for him, like he's in uh, Born Supremacy, he's in Jackie Chan's The Medallion, he's in like he's in a lot of high high level movies just as a stunt guy. But hmm. so I, I, I'm I'm a big fan of his, obviously. Um, the other one I wanted to talk about is stars my. <laughs> My boy, Michael J. White. Um, <laughs> uh, it's called Blood and Bone. I don't know if you've heard of it, Nathan. I have not. Okay. Uh, so this is this is the issue when I the, when my nerd side comes out. So Blood and Bone is about a character named Bone, uh, <laughs> played by Michael J. White, who is released from prison. I don't remember if they give us what he was re- what he was in there for. But they give us a scene at the beginning of the movie that shows his like prowess. So we're not just like uh, in a fight anyway. So we're not just like assuming that he's good. Like they show us right off the bat that he's good. Um, but he comes out of he gets out of jail, goes into a uh, into like a halfway house kind of thing that has a family in, in it and stuff like that. And so there, there's that interaction. Um, but then he starts fighting. He starts doing all these underground street fights. And it's building and building. And there's some stuff kind of revealed later on in the movie. And I don't want to ruin it because it's actually pretty kind of emotional on the, his, what he's, the reasons he's fighting because he like makes friends in jail. That's, and that's all I'm probably going to say. Hmm. Um, but that he is, I don't know how to describe the movie without ruining some stuff, but uh, Rufio from Hook, isn't it? Uh, Dante Bosco? Yeah. Zuko. Zuko. He's in it. And he's an annoying little creep. And it's hilarious. Because it's not like at all the kind of character I've ever seen him play. But hmm. um, it's a really good movie. The martial arts is fantastic on it. And of course, it's it's street fighting. So it's a little different than maybe, uh, you know, if the contrast would be Warrior, which is in the cage. Lots of submissions. Lots of, you know... Uh, you know, legal holds and stuff like that. But whereas yeah. this is a lot of like, I think at one point he kicks a guy's knee and it breaks. So <gasps> there's that. Yeah. Why it's, you do it's this inten- to me? It's intense, bro. <laughs> you do anything just not knee related. Yeah. So so just don't go watch um, 
Jet Li's uh, Fist of Legend then. Because mm. there's one where a guy goes to kick him and he moves out of the way and he gets caught on a table and uh, yeah. Mm. He just kind of, yeah! Mm. Oh, oh, it's great. It's hard to watch. We're having oh. Evil Dead flashbacks. <laughs> don't 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 do it, buddy. Don't do it. Before, um, I, yeah, uh, go for it. Uh, before we get into more combat, I want to throw out another kind of a random pick that is. I'm glad you put it on the list because I would have forgotten about it and then come back later when I'm editing this, going, "Oh, why didn't I do this one?" Um, it's one that fell by the wayside that I really wish we got sequels for that more people should have seen because it was really good. Real Steel. Count it as a combat movie because it's not humans, but it's robots, but they're controlled yeah. by humans, and it's a lot better than the premise sounds. Oh yeah, I think that the, every that's why it didn't make a lot of money at the at the box office is because everybody was like, oh, it's just Rock'em Sock'em Robots with Hugh Jackman, and if you, yeah, with Hugh Jackman, which and if you've seen the movie. You know it is not Rock'em Sock'em Robots at I'll all. I'll put this to paper. Real Steel has one of the best child actors in it that I've ever seen. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And I, again, and I think the theme through all of these movies that we're we're talking about in com- in, in combat sports is that the story is not the fight. It's never. about the characters, and it's never about the fight. Um, because if there's no emotion going into the fight, the fight doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, talk one more and then we'll close it out with the major one that I'm sure we need to discuss. But, um, switching briefly into the world of professional wrestling. Yes, we're going to count this as a combat movie. Mickey Rourke's The Wrestler. This is one of the most hard to watch movies I have ever ever seen in the best possible ways. Yeah, I actually have not seen this movie. It's hard to watch one because of some of the things that happen. Like you see Mickey Rourke's head stapled because hardcore matches. But it's also hard to watch because this is also one of the most brutally realistic portrayals of wrestling life that's ever been documented in the history of film. Um, It's by Darren Aronofsky, who never pulls any punches in his movies. Um, Apparently, Aronofsky apparently showed um, early screening of this to Rowdy Roddy Piper, who saw parallels to his own life in the movie and actually broke down crying while watching this movie because it echoes a lot of the paths of older wrestlers of their bodies are decrepit. They kind of cling to this old fame that they had. And it's it's really hard to watch, but there's really great performances. And like Rocky, it's all about the characters and the big finale at the end. It's kind of ambiguous. Um, but unlike Rocky, it's not an actual fight fight. But the dude absolutely is fighting every single day, just not necessarily in the ring that you're familiar with. Yeah. It's, it is one of the most painfully realistic wrestling portrayals to screen. Like, it pays reverence to professional wrestling, but also acknowledges it's it's dangerous. It's really rough. It's It can be extremely uncomfortable and pays a physical and mental toll on those involved. Oh, yeah. 
Am I keeping you up? Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, and it's weird because, and I I don't know if I'd be ready to watch that considering that's kind of the path that I'm going down right now. It's really heavy. It's a heavy movie. You got to see it at least once. It's phenomenal, but it is very heavy. Very depressing. No doubt. Um, Well, let's finish on an upbeat one, but one that I'm sure is going to be probably a long discussion because it is the be-all, end-all when it comes to combat movies, the Rocky franchise, and boy, it is one that is near and dear to my heart because in junior high, I had a hardcore Rocky phase and it never went away. I love this series so much. I agree. No, I can As you yawn. Yeah, I know, dude. I don't know. I've been fine all this whole time, and then all of a sudden it's hitting me. Um, but Did you just no, watch I Rocky agree. Jeez, oh, hey, watch it. Um, no, because Rocky Five is awful. Um, what are I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question, knowing that I'm pretty sure I know the answer. What Rockies, including the Creed franchise, are your favorite? If I've thought about this. If I have to break it down, it goes Rocky Balboa, Rocky okay. Four, Creed, Rocky, Rocky Two, Rocky Three, Rocky Five. Okay. No, yeah, that's probably what it ended up being for me. I, uh, I might have, I think it's going to be Balboa and Creed One up there at the top for me. Yeah, I think think Balboa will always be my favorite of the franchise. I love that one so much. I just watched that again last night because it's so good. Yeah, it's incredible. That's one of the best movie speeches ever. Yep, which I don't know about you, but I I have the whole speech memorized because it's so good. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I don't have it memorized. I have bits and pieces memorized. It's honestly, actually, weirdly enough... One of the one like movie quotes, whatever you want to call them, that has become like a life mantra for me because it is so relevant. It's become for, one for, for a lot of people. Let, let okay. Yeah. You want to? Let's see if we can do this. Let me see if okay. I can get it. You watch because we're recording this. I won't be able to get it all, but exactly. But hey, by the one by the magic of recording, you can just you know get it and get, like in yeah, second try. I, it's one of the <laughs> movie monologues that I know besides the um, White Shores from Return of the King. But um, let's see. Let me tell you something. Uh, let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are. It'll beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. But you, me, nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. There's more to it. And then he has like two or, two or three other sentences about yeah. knowing your worth. And like before, but before then, before it too, he's talking about how his son like used to be able to... Um, yeah, because he's like, hey, you see this? And he points at his hand and he's like, you used, you used to, to fit, fit right, right here. here. And I used to tell everybody that this guy was going to be something. And then you grew up and you became your own person. You became something great. But somewhere along the way, 
you let somebody stick a finger in your face and tell you what you were worth. It's just uh, that whole scene. Howard, do that, and that ain't you. And that ain't you. But then, so I'm sorry to be limited by shadow. But taking just that scene out, all of Rocky Balboa, that film is just so well done. The cinematography, just the overall character building. The watching it back yesterday, since it's still fresh in my mind, almost the redemption arc of Polly. Like this is the most yeah. well-rounded Polly character we've gotten in any of the films. Yes, which is weird to say, um, yes. <laughs> because he's almost like the consistent idiot. Which yes, <laughs> is probably because he's a war vet and has PTSD. But yep, um, Rocky. I, I love the franchise just because it's all over the map. You want dramatic? Go with Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Balboa and Creed. If you want utterly ridiculous, watch 3. If you want Murica, <laughs> Murica, Murica, watch 4. <laughs> 4 is literally, yeah. I will punch communism in the face. It literally is communism punch, punching communism in the face. While screaming from the top of a mountain with a beard. Oh, gosh. Like, they're all over the place. You have him fighting Mr. T and Hulk Hogan in the same movie, which the reason I have issues with three is he absolutely should have beat Clubber Lang the first time, and he beats him in the third round the second time. Yeah. Also, fun fact, Hulk Hogan appeared in Rocky Three two years before Hulkamania. Really? Yep, everyone has always assumes he was Hulk Hogan before Rocky Three. No, he was just a wrestler, but he wasn't Hulk Hogan yet. Huh. The more you know. The more you know. Knowing's half the battle. G.I. Joe. But yeah, the Rocky's anyway. kind of all <laughs> over the place. And notice how we don't bring up five, because the less we say about five, the better. However, exactly. There's, I will defend five in one regard. It is, has one of the most emotional moments, and that's when um, Rocky's visiting Mickey's old rundown gym, and he has this like vision or memory of when Mickey would talk to him. And he's like, if you ever feel like you're going down, this little angel's going to come to you, and she's going to say, get up, because Mickey loves you. And it's like, hmm, it's... This really good, genuine emotional moment and of otherwise emotionless movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what are what are some of your fondest memories with the Rocky franchise? Um, I think one of them was uh, my brother and I saw Balboa because that that was my first Rocky movie was Balboa. It's what um, got me you know, interested in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so. My brother and I saw that saw Baboa, and we're like, "Well, there's like other ones. We should watch them." And so we went and rented all of them. Well, sorry, we went and rented the first three. Yeah, the first three. I barely remember three, but I remember watching one and two with my brother, and that was like that's one of the mo- memories I have of the series is seeing how it this the rocky arc before creed and and but then going back with with this with my brother who i'm very close with and watching how it began 
So it was it was very it was a cool cool little little day that we had. Uh, when I was first introduced to them, I remember Balboa came out in two thousand six. So I was just kind of getting curious, and my parents, of course, knew all about the Rocky series because they had seen them numerous times. So I was always just asking probably annoying questions, just like what 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 happened with this? What happened with this in the Rocky series? Because I hadn't seen any of them, and eventually they're just like, just watch them for yourself. And I was like, okay. So I watched them all out of order. I think I watched like four, one, Balboa, two, three. Yeah. Um, I the older I get, the more I love them. As a teenager, I'm just like, yeah, punch people, beat people up. I would like just get the DVDs out, just watch the training montage, and just watch the final fight, and that was it. Now yep. as an adult. Those scenes are fine, but I care more about the story around it. That's why I like Balboa so much. Is it's a good, strong narrative around a good, actually okay, fight. Um, or why I liked Creed so much. That's a nice narrative-driven film, which we haven't even talked about Creed yet. Actually, yeah. Creed, I I wouldn't say I avoided. It. I just didn't get around to seeing it until much later after it released. And boy, I love that series. That created to me is an example of prop uh, properly passing the torch on to the next generation. Oh yeah, oh I mean it doesn't hurt that you have Michael B. Jordan. Oh, <laughs> that's never a bad thing. No, nah, and I think uh, the thing too though is the the modern storytelling and the use of modern camera angles. Uh, I say that in reference to the uh, single shot boxing fight in mexico that creed takes towards the beginning of the movie which is just just nuts dude it's nuts because as so you know as someone who enjoys film and you know you start you kind of notice oh whoa 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 this is this is one take oh whoa whoa, this is uh this is still going okay so this whole fight is going to be in one take all right cool yeah, so it's it, it was it's very good, and I think it, it, in some ways, if Balboa hadn't happened, Creed would be better than all of all of the the originals. I don't know. Uh, to me, Balboa is the end of the Rocky franchise, and Creed is a completely different franchise to me. I don't think they're the same thing. It's like. Balboa is the end of the Rocky timeline, but not the Rocky universe. Like, we needed Balboa to end the Rocky timeline on a better note than five. Also, if we didn't get Balboa, I think there would have been too many big details that were kind of left out. Like, where's Adrian? Where's Polly? Yeah. Okay, no, fair enough. Also, I for some reason, my favorite part of Balboa is that this world-class boxer who retired now just kind of owns a restaurant. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. I've always liked that. <laughs> it, it makes, I can totally buy that. Yeah. No, I'll say Like, I'm not saying I'll buy it. Like, it's just for some reason, one of my favorite little details. And the fact that it's called Adrian's. Yeah, exactly. It makes complete. It's just adorable. It's just adorable. An old man. Rocky is adorable. Let's be real here. Like, the older I get, the more I appreciate and love the character of Rocky himself because he's so genuine and so caring. At least almost every other character has a moment where like you don't like them or they have they're yeah. a little bit dickish. 
literally never happens with Rocky. He has a solid heart of gold, always. Like, we'll talk to anybody, we'll be kind to everyone. Just like, we all need to be more like Rocky. This dude is just, this dude's something else. He's something special. He's the most human protagonist that I could think of off the top of my head. Of A lot of characters are like over-exaggerated so we can kind of wish fulfillment and put my, ourselves in their shoes. Rocky, we relate to Rocky because Rocky is us. He's the everyman. He struggles, which is why I've been saying for a while that Rocky more than likely will die in the next Creed one because as a human character, it's part of his... It would make sense for the progression of his character. It would make sense because he's human. He's you sh- relatable. No, he's fallible. You no, you shut your mouth. Don't you dare do that to me. I am not emotionally ready to say goodbye. To I'm going to twist the dagger in further. What if the final shot of Creed 3 after Rocky dies is a wide shot at the top of the Philadelphia Museum of Art stairs and no one's there and it fades to black? I hate you. Can you not? Could and you, they play Adrian's really? theme on piano. Uh, no, okay, because there's moments in, in the first Creed where they were kind of building to us saying goodbye to Rocky. Yeah. And I was not ready for that at all. At mm. all. Actually, instead of Adrian's theme, they just do the Rocky theme on piano, like, dun, 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 dun. And just, mm. I think if the franchise continues, which I kind of hope it does, I don't know where you go after he beats Victor Drago, which we haven't seen in the movie yet, but I'm going to go safely out on a limb and say he beats Victor Drago. I mean, I think he almost has to. Plot twist, he dies too, like father, like son. No, 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 no. He, He kills Creed in the ring. And Rocky gets so mad, stands up, goes after Drago, and then has a heart attack and dies on the ring as well. No, it's it's WrestleMania 9. Creed loses, so Rocky gets in the ring and immediately knocks out Victor Drago with one punch, <laughs> holds up the title. He's <laughs> champ now. Jesus. <laughs> Look at me. I'm the champ now. <laughs> but, yeah, Rocky, there's a reason he is endured for so long. He's such a good character, and he... The Rocky series, more or less, is the archetype that all fight movies follow. In fact, Karate Kid is done by the same guy that directed the first Rocky movie. It's that overall narrative of overcome the odds, face the bully in the final round of whatever fight you're in. Everyone's trying to duplicate it. Yep. Very few have been able to match that level of success. Um, I would say yes up until recently. Because you have movies like Warrior, you have movies like Fighter or Southpaw, which we haven't even touched on those two, and those are all a whole other level. Yeah, but without Rocky, we wouldn't have those. Yeah, and I agree. I hope we see more after Creed Two. I don't know what direction we go in, but I guess you could say the same with the original Rocky movies of after Two. Well, he's won the title. I don't see how they keep going with that. Well, he lost the title and got it back. I don't know how they're going to keep going after that. Yeah. There'll always be a way. There'll always be stories to tell with Rocky, and I I hope we don't see the franchise end, ending anytime soon, even if we see the character of Rocky not necessarily with us that much longer. Yeah, I agree. Any last-minute thoughts, Josh, before we take this one home? 
Um, not really. I mean, really, all the movies we've seen really only—well, sorry, seen all the movies we've been talking about tonight—really like barely scratches the surface of of all the fantastic combat movies that are out there. And I mean, I hope one day that you know you and I can just sit down and I can just show you everything. But I don't think that'll ever ever happen. But that's okay. It's gonna be a long um, episode for that. Yes. No, 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 no. Like physically show you, like come over, you know, come visit you. And we just spend a day just watching combat sports movies. <laughs> legit. It well, would be, but yeah. You never know. Well, I think the reason why combat movies like Rocky, Warrior, Karate Kid have lasted for so long is it kind of symbolizes the everyday struggle. You have adversities. It's easier to personify your issues when it's a jerk blonde who you just want to crane kick in the face. Um, it's, yeah. it's a hero overcoming the odds. It's a story as old as time. It's good versus evil overcoming the odds. These stories aren't going away anytime soon, and I don't want them to. So long as you still got a man with two hands, got a fighting chance, I'll be there to watch as long as it's a good story. Well, what do you guys think? What are some of your all-time favorite combat movies? Let us know in the comments below. And as always, if you like what you see and want to see more, subscribe to us on whatever audio listening channel your device, whatever you're listening to us on, whether that be YouTube, Google Play, iTunes, um, whatever else, be sure to subscribe. And stay sharp, movie guys and gals.